Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We have Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission joining us today. But first, I wanted to talk to you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine. Our cover is Kathy Lane, who is the CEO of Suncoast Resources, Inc. I'd like to encourage our listeners to go to shellmag.com, click on the latest issue of Shell Magazine and learn all about Kathy. Uh, And one of the things that really um, makes me so proud to have her on our cover is the fact that this is our issue that's dedicated to the women in the energy industry. And so there's a lot of profiles on a lot of women that are just really going out there and doing some dynamic things. I'd also uh, encourage you guys, we are having our annual State of Energy in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas on August 29th. Come on down to Corpus Christi, enjoy a little bit of the sea breeze and learn a lot about oil and gas. Um, We are currently right now looking for sponsors and of course ticket sales uh, are going. It will be a sold out event. So if you're interested in coming to Corpus Christi on August 29th and being a part of Shell Magazine's State of Energy and learning all about what's going on in the Corpus Christi area as well as the Permian Basin area, I encourage you to visit shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E. MAG.com to uh, learn more and, of course, purchase tickets to attend. You know, our show airs in all markets in Texas, uh, primarily in Houston and Austin, San Antonio, Permian Basin area, Corpus Christi. And um, one of uh, there's a nonprofit out there called Future of the Region of South Texas. It actually is covering 47 counties in South Texas that they look at what is in the best interest for South Texas in areas of transportation, water, oil and gas, border issues, you name it. And this year, their conference will be held in Laredo on September 12th at the Texas A&M International University Student Center. I encourage you, if you want to be involved, If you're living in South Texas, this is a conference for you. Um, And I truly hope that you will get involved. If you um, want to make a difference in where you're living, this is the conference for you to attend. But for more information, visit futureregionstx.org. And I hope to see you there. But now it's time to bring on our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David. Welcome. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. You know, uh, it is beautiful and uh, very, very nice day, but very, very, very hot. <laughs> very hot. Oh, boy. Uh, so we're looking for some cooler weather. I want to get into the show right away with you because we have a limited amount of time and there is a lot going on right now with the price of oil. And a lot of the discussion that we've had in the past has been, well, we kind of think that through the end of the year, it's just going to kind of maintain and mm-hmm. it kind of looks like that might not be the case right now. Um, so let's discuss what is actually happening right now that's causing oil prices to rise and eventually gas prices. 
Yeah, you know, and, and we should know better. I should know better than to ever project anything more than a month at a time. Um, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's just so many uh, potential factors internationally that can impact oil prices. And that's what's happening now. Um, we, we've had a 10% price increase in crude prices, which, you know, for for oil producers, this is a good thing. But, you know, that's eventually also going to lead to gasoline prices going up. And that's happened since June 22nd when OPEC and Russia had their meeting and failed to do anything real to really address the global supply situation, uh, which they had indicated they would do. They announced that they were going to put as much as 800,000 additional barrels of oil onto the market. But uh, at the end of the day, what that really all that really means is that they're pledging to uh, push their production back up to their previous quotas because they had had a very significant shortfall, shortage uh, of production over the previous three months. So they're just really taking their production levels back to what they'd already agreed to and not really adding anything above that. Well, at those levels, the, the global supply situation right now, probably, uh, you know, we are undersupplied globally. Uh, without OPEC or Russia really increasing over and above that, those quota levels. And uh, that's because very strong demand uh, is outpacing supply growth in the United States. And so we, we have this situation, you know, where, where there's upward pressure on prices. And then then on, on July 1st, Libya had to shut in 85% of its production. Um, and why was that? Why did well, they have to shut that in? Because they're having a, basically kind of a cold civil war over there. You have two different governments in place that are governing different regions of the country, and there's sporadic violence going on between those two factions. And uh, one faction uh, has forced the, the closing of the port. You know, it's just like the situation in Texas where most of our exports go out of Corpus Christi. Well, there's one port over there in Libya where 90% basically of their exports go out of. And so that port was closed down on Monday, remained closed uh, for much of the week. And, uh, you know, that's 850,000 barrels a day that just boom like that got taken off of the market. And then you know, Venezuela is also continuing to collapse. It's been collapsing for six years now, basically. Uh, the whole country's collapsing and imploding. Boy, and, there's some uh, really bad things happening out there. Yeah. You know, Libya, four years ago, Libya was exporting 3 million barrels of oil a day. Today, they're exporting less than half of that. And by the end of the year, they're probably going to lose another half million barrels a day. So, you know, um, a month ago, two months ago, it, it, everything looked pretty stable. And we were just going to kind of cruise along through the end of 2018, and now uh, you have all these things happening on the, you know, in the global supply situation that uh, are putting more upper pressure on the price of crude. And as we said earlier, that's ultimately going to mean higher gasoline prices. So when when will the consumer when will we start seeing this increase, and and how long do you think it's going to last for? Is this going to last all the way to the end of the year? But there's really no way to know how long it's going to last. I'll answer the second question first, uh, just because we don't know. There's no way to predict what's going to ultimately happen in Libya. So uh, it, that, that situation could be very temporary and, and all that all could come back online in a day. So that's the good part about that. And then Saudi Arabia also recently pledged, you know, at President Trump's urging to put another two, up to two million barrels a day onto the market if they have that much spare capacity. Not everyone believes they do. 
there's no doubt they have some spare capacity, and I think it's pretty substantial. But uh, so Saudi Arabia doesn't want to see. That's the positive part of this. Yes, Saudi Arabia doesn't want the price to go too high because they don't want to depress demand for the product. And if it goes too high for too long, uh, that's what will happen. So the best guess is we're going to probably see the price for crude here in the United States get above 75, maybe even close to $80 a barrel here temporarily. And then we'll see the Saudis put some more oil onto the market to lower the price. Now, the danger in that, of course, is that's what they did in 2014 that collapsed the price, right? They put too much on the market. So, you know, we'll just have to keep an eye on it and keep people informed as, as events uh, dictate. Well, one thing is for sure, when you talk about the topic of oil, everyone gets upset, right, about how we need to look to alternative fuels, but there is no real solution. And, and it just takes something like this to show how really vulnerable we are. We don't like paying more at the gas pump. And of course, that also can bleed into utilities getting higher and all kinds of things. Uh, but one thing is for sure, oil and gas is definitely not a boring game. <laughs> if no, you it's watch not. it, it's pretty exciting, actually, with a lot of things going up and down all the time. Um, but that is all the time we have for this week. Look forward to talking to you next week. But before we leave, you and I, are going to do a podcast um, this week and launch it next week on shellmag.com because we're receiving a lot of information on what is the outcome or, or you know, what's going to happen with the new president of Mexico uh, coming into office? What, is, what does that look like for Mexico in oil and gas? And then, of course, I'm sure there will be more to report on uh, pertaining to Libya and uh, OPEC and all oh, the... No doubt. So uh, we figured that we should probably uh, address some of these issues since, uh, once again, we're talking about uh, oil prices rising and we want to try to uh, calm uh, some of the fears that are going on out there and just give some really good information. So wanted to let our listeners know, please uh, be looking out for that next week. Again, it'll be on shellmag.com and this time it'll be a video. David, thank you again for being a guest on the show and we look forward to having you again next week on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Great. I look forward to it. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, our guest, Commissioner Ryan Sitton, will be joining us. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute, produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. Oil prices took a hit yesterday as President Trump continued his attack on OPEC and Saudi Arabia, tweeting, The OPEC monopoly must remember that gas prices are up and they are doing little to help. They are driving prices higher as the United States defends many of their members for very little dollars. He added, writing in all capital letters, reduce pricing now. In other news, the Chinese government has been Venezuela's top financier with over $50 billion in investment over the past decade, and they are now stepping in with an additional $250 million, hoping to slow the decline in production. WTI dropped $0.26 cents yesterday to close to $73.88 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. 
From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity fed discharge system is trailer mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. Hi, I'm Kim Pilato, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show and president of Future of the Region South Texas. And I'd like to encourage you to join me on September 12th through the 14th at the Texas A&M International University in Laredo, Texas at the Student Center, where we will be discussing some of the most important regional topics for South Texas. Help shape the future of the region by sharing your thoughts with other local experts on innovative solutions to challenging regional issues. We encourage you to join us September 12th through the 14th in beautiful Laredo, Texas at the Texas A&M International University Student Center. To learn more about this amazing organization or to purchase a ticket to attend the event, please visit futureregionstx.org. Again, that's futureregionstx.org. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission. And Ryan, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks, Kim. It's always good to be with you. You know, um, I do I do love having you come on the show uh, as much as we can get you because you you really are a wealth of information and, and certainly have become a really uh, great part of uh, of what our show does, which is disseminates information on oil and gas in a responsible but in a positive way. Uh, but before we get started on asking uh, some oil and gas questions, talk to me a little bit about uh, you are a Texas Railroad Commissioner one of three. Tell us a little bit about the regulatory agency and, of course, your background that connects into the agency. Sure. Well, I appreciate you asking about that because I forget to explain to people who don't listen to the show regularly what we're doing. It's a, it's a bit of a misnomer. Railroad Commission does nothing with trains. We are the oil and gas and coal mining regulator for the state. If you want to drill a well in this state, an oil well or gas well or a disposal well, you have to come to us to get a permit, and you have to follow our rules. And if there's ever contested cases where two parties disagree about whether something should be done or how it should be done, you come to the commission to have that case heard. And the three commissioners eventually sit as judges, if you will, over those cases. So that's our, that's our high-level function. As your railroad commissioner, I spend most of my time studying those cases when we do have to preside as in a kind of quasi-judicial capacity, but I also work with our nearly 800-person agency covering all the things that we do here, from granting permits to doing inspections to managing enforcement, uh, all of the things that, that enable the energy industry to run so effectively in this state. Uh, as to my background, which you asked about, I am a fifth-generation Texan. My, my great-great-grandparents uh, came here and been here ever since and uh, went to Texas A&M, got a mechanical engineering degree, and actually worked in the oil business. I worked for Oxy and Marathon, were the two oil companies I worked for, uh, prior to starting my own company. 
And so I have been an engineer in the oil, gas, energy space my entire career, and I am the first engineer in 50 years to serve as your railroad commissioner. Excellent. Well, you know, I mean, there's a really big, important part that the Texas Railroad Commission plays when we look at um, oil and gas. Obviously, nothing. Well, first of all, oil and gas is so important to our economy here in Texas. But I think it it, it really should help uh, our community, our residents understand that there is a true regulatory body that knows what they're doing takes into consideration the permitting and all the stuff that goes along with oil and gas, which is somewhat complicated. But at the same time, it's a balancing act that you guys show uh, and and uh, administer all the time with that the community is important and that the resources um, that they're looked at and, and that we, uh, you know, you make sure that the community is always safe at all times as well. And that's important. It is. In fact, you say we, we have a balancing act that we play. I, I think of it a little differently. At the end of the day, I only work for those communities. They are my boss. That's, that's who I serve. So when you say, hey, we keep a close eye on the community, that's, that's the people that I look out for. The, what, we, what that community expects, though, if you, you go out there and you ask an average Texan, hey, tell me what you think about the oil business. I say, well, I want the oil business to be really good in Texas because it's good for our economy. It creates jobs. It puts dollars into our state coffers. Now, at the end of the day, when that oil business is growing, and let's say I'm talking to a teacher, for example, and that teacher says, you know, I like the fact the oil business is doing well, funds our schools that I work in. But if that, you know, pipeline's coming through my neighborhood or there's an oil well or gas well operating in our community, I need to know that it's safe. And that's what the Railroad Commission does. It's our job to make sure that we have good rules and that those rules are followed and that we do a good job of explaining those rules to the people in those communities who have those questions. If we do that well, then there's really not a whole lot of a balance. It's simply advancing what is in the interest of all Texans, which is that this industry does really well. And you know, that that, that leads me to another area of interest for us. Um, we recently entered into a partnership, if you will, for community education. And it's something that we call Energy Minutes. It's become very popular that most of the stations that air our radio show actually play them outside of our show as a way of trying to uh, possibly help the community understand more what's happening in oil and gas. And of course, from the agency that uh, knows all oil and gas, which would be the Texas Railroad Commission. And uh, you have agreed in your schedule, which is extremely busy, to commit to producing these energy minutes. I want to play just a few seconds of it. So so let's take a listen. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. As speculation around oil supply shortages have boosted crude prices, markets are watching downstream. U.S. refineries, the world's largest, are running at their greatest throughput in history, over 18 million barrels per day last week. As oil markets watch dropping oil inventories, gasoline inventories are doing the opposite and starting to make news as they climb. Well, Ryan, that was just a, a little bit of a sample of the energy minutes that you're producing. What can we learn? What do you hope to accomplish on these energy minutes that you are producing now daily with us? Well, first of all, I have to thank you guys for enabling us to do this. You know, part of our job as elected officials when we serve the public is to communicate with that public. And the world we live in today is one of information overload. I mean, people just with Facebook and email and Internet and social media, they're just inundated with information. 
And what we've learned is, hey, if I can condense some interesting facts and the most important information down to 30 seconds, 45 seconds, or a minute, that's enough that people can engage in and they can, they can take it, they can learn something. So what this has enabled us to do is to every morning across the state, give people just that quick under 60 seconds, what's the most important thing that happened in energy in the last 24 hours or the last week? And as you said, Kim, I've gotten a lot of positive responses, people saying, man, this is really cool. I'm learning something. It's easy to remember. So that the main goal is to just help more Texans who aren't in the energy business every day learn more and become part of what's happening in this great state. And, you know, uh, Commissioner Sutton, that's to me, that is so truthful because what people want to hear is they want to hear a quick snippet of energy, but they want to hear it from somebody that they know that they can trust that the information is valid. And that's what you are doing. And so we're very happy that we've entered into this partnership and can provide some educational resources out to the general community on Texas oil and gas. But we do have to take a quick break. When we return, I want to get to the topic of rig count. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Hey, did you know the Port of Corpus Christi is primed to become the energy port for the United States energy industry? Join us for the State of Energy Luncheon. It's going to be August the 29th from 1130 until 1 p.m. at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. Come early, network with oil and gas professionals, enjoy a great lunch, hear a real energy discussion from industry professionals. It's August the 29th at 1130 at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. This event will sell out, so log on now and get your tickets at shalemag.com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time, 210-471-1923. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Ryan Sitton of the Texas Railroad Commission. And Ryan, uh, before the break, we were talking about these energy minutes that you've been producing, short, quick, concise information on what's happening daily out in the oil patch, if you will. Uh, But I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about the rig count. Some very interesting stuff is happening with um, uh, that the rig count went down a little bit uh, and has not that has not happened in a while but actually the drilling permits are up so explain that to us on what's happening sure let's talk about drilling permits first to put that into context drilling permits on a weekly basis which is one of the things i put into the energy minute once a week those weekly drilling permits fluctuate a lot and so it has i, I wouldn't I, I think when you hear numbers like, oh, we only had, you know, 250 drilling permits one week, and then we had nearly 400 another week, it's, that, that's just simply when people are processing them. But if you look at the overall trends, you are correct. Drilling permits in general are trending up. More people in Texas, more companies are getting ready, ready to drill more wells, which is a good thing. Let's talk about rig count. A rig count's a little more indicative of what's going to come online in the future. And for the last nearly three months, every single week, the rig counts in the country and in the state rose. Last week was the first time in in at least a couple months, nearly three months in which they both dropped. Now, they dropped by, I think, three, we lost three rigs across the country. We lost four in Texas. And if you think about it, that's not that surprising given the fact that 
oil prices were really spiking up there for a while. You know, there was a lot of, oh my gosh, you know, Venezuelan oil production was dropping through the floor. Uh, Mexican oil production is not going to hit its numbers. Uh, the the OPEC slash Saudi conglomerate with with Russia was going to hold to its production cuts. And it was all, oh my gosh, it looks like we're going to have a supply shortage. And that led to a run-up in prices. We got, you know, into the mid-70s in terms of WTI prices. Can I ask a, a question, your thoughts on uh So President Trump uh, tweeted about um, OPEC oil and, uh, and his tweet kind of went around the globe. Um, but what do you think is really going on with those tweets and, uh, and OPEC and, and President Trump? <laughs> okay, well, that's a boy. How much time do we have? <laughs> we have a whole show. Uh, let, let's let's take it this way. You know, in, in general, our our president has been exceptionally good when it comes to the economy. I mean, we've seen bit faster economic growth around the globe than we've seen in a decade in all regions of the globe. Uh, our the, the he's making some very aggressive moves on trade, which has got some people riled up. And even in the oil business, some of the things on steel tariffs have really caused concerns in the oil business amongst. President Trump's supporters has caused concern, but he's he's trying things, right? Which is what we need our elected officials to do is to be bold and to see what works, what's good for the country. Don't don't you know, throw out ideas and see what the feedback is. Uh, when it comes to oil prices, oil prices is a is a always a complicated thing that gets away from a lot of us very easily. And I think one of the things that certainly you know, still to this day, Saudi Arabia, OPEC, and that the agreement that they made a year ago or or now I guess nine months ago. To, to, to curtail production and to take a million and a half barrels a day off the market is what allowed prices to start to rise because there was just overproduction in the world. Uh, now that prices are getting high, people are seeing a lot of high prices at the gasoline pump or higher than what they were seeing, right? We were down close to $2 a gallon, even a little bit below that. Now people are seeing up close to $260, $270, even $3 a gallon in some places. And you know, whenever that happens, the population doesn't like it. And we, were, we are very used to affordable, reliable energy in this country, and gasoline prices are a big indicator of that. Now, even though people in Europe are paying like 9 and $10 a gallon, here in the United States, we're used to seeing twos, $2.10, $2.20. So as the price of gasoline has come up because of the price of oil coming up, the president has felt the need to respond to that. And he is, he is accurately saying, well, you know, OPEC has done things, which has caused the price of oil to come up. Now, the thing I would like to add to that, and I, I'm not disagreeing with the president, but I am saying there's other information there are, that people need to understand. At the end of the day, it is still supply and demand. I mean, if as the world adds more and more oil consumption, we're using 100 million barrels of oil a day around the world now. To produce that oil, the, the cost is, is going up. It just it takes that much more money to produce that oil. And, uh, and it, at the end of the day, in Texas, even though none of us like going to the pump and paying extra money for gasoline, it is good for the oil prices to be maybe not high, high, but it's good for them to be good prices. We want that strong energy industry. So even though, yes, OPEC's making moves, when you look down the road, two years, three years, four years, I forecast that oil prices are going to go higher and gasoline prices will go higher just because there's more and more demand around the world. And that is what's really driving prices up when it comes to oil and gasoline. That makes perfect sense. Commissioner Ryan Sitton, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. 
So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission. Uh, Commissioner Sinton, uh, want to switch gears now and talk about a very, very important report that you released a couple of weeks back or so. It's called the 2000 Energy Outlook. I'll begin with um, some of the stuff that's in it is just so informative. I encourage everyone, if you want to learn about oil and gas, you know, you need to come and, and, and look at Commissioner Sinton's oil report. But let's start with the world crude oil supply and demand. And th- those numbers are kind of very telling as to where we will be, which kind of has been discussing what we've been discussing or what you have been discussing, excuse me, earlier in the show. Tell me what your research and your report, well, first of all, why did you create this report and wh- what's the point of it? And then let's talk about the crude oil demand. Yeah. Thanks for setting that up, Kim. As far as we know, this is the first of its kind. So it's the 2018 market outlook. And the genesis of this was you know, I came out of the oil business, spent 20 years in the oil energy business, ran my own company, and literally traveled all over the world in the energy business, uh, providing services to energy customers. And so with all of that history and all of that background, as I've been a railroad commissioner, it's been interesting, it's been exciting how much I can bring that knowledge base to serve the people of the state, whether they're an oil producer or they're somebody at home wanting to know what gasoline prices are going to do, or it's state government who's trying to understand what kind of revenues we're going to have. So all of this exposure to the market and understanding what moves the market really has value. And I get asked more and more often, hey, Ryan, what do you think is going to happen? Come talk to our group. Tell us what you think is going to happen. So this year we said, look, this is my, you know, we just started my, my fourth year as your railroad commissioner in the middle of the fourth year. And we said, let's, let's make this formal. Let's put all of the research that I'm always doing to understand what's happening in the market into one document and send it out. And that way people have it at their fingertips. Uh, and it doesn't cost anything for everybody to get it. It's part of my, my role as a public servant to, to, re, to, to put this information out so that people can use. And we got lots of great feedback. People saying, man, this is so concise. I had some people say, man, we used to pay big money to get this kind of information, everybody from the media to, to energy consultants and producers. So it was great that we were able to provide that service and get this information in people's hands in a way that they can digest, even though it is probably a little bit written in kind of dork engineer ease. <laughs> I can understand it. Well, I know, but you're, you're pretty smart. And I think a lot of your listeners are too. So I think that, um, that, that we tried to put this out in a way that everybody, anybody could pick up and, and understand. So that's, that's where this came from. And we expect to do it every year. So, I, that, but next year we'll kind of give an outlook saying, here's what we think is going to happen in 2019 and so on and so forth. And, you know, I think that when I looked at the report, I mean, there are, half a dozen companies I can think of that might not really be appreciating the report that you're giving instead of charging (laughs) a lot of elected officials that are making policy changes, like what's going to happen next year when our session begins, um, they'll need this information to make a good educated decision on bills that they're going to support or not support. And especially here in Texas, it's important for us since so much of our economy is, is, uh, is driven by oil and gas. Talk to me about your, crude oil world supply demand. Yeah. So if you look, we're the the 
both the demand and supply of oil in 2018 has jumped a lot from 2017. What's telling here is in 2017, we kind of were at an annual pace of around 97, 98 million barrels per day. And keep in mind too, that that's a, that's a, annualized rate and an average over the year. In fact, that graph was written, was done by quarter. So you can see that it actually changed over the course of the year, which is normal. So like quarter one of 2017, we were down at 97 million barrels a day. By the end of the year, it was 98. So we added a million barrels a day of consumption over the year. In fact, we think it was even higher than that. If I talk just in, in broad terms for people, in general, the world over the last few years has added between a million and 1.8 million barrels a day of oil consumption every year for the last few years. And so if you look over, like say the last five years, we've added more than 10 million barrels a day of consumption. We went from like 90 million barrels a day to 100 million barrels a day. So added 10 million barrels a day of consumption in a, in a five-year period. And we expect that trend to continue. I mean, it's not, you almost every single year, the world uses more oil than it did the year before. That's all very rarely has it dropped in history. And right now it's moving at a very nice, consistent pace. Demand for oil continues to go up. And I guess what I want to do is just quickly take a break on oil topic and just kind of talk about the world's consumption. Sure. Because it's confusing to the average person, I believe, that hears all of these anti-oil and gas movements, you know, trying to curtail it and uh, looking at alternative fuels, but yet... When we look at the consumption, it's just going to continue to increase. And and my thought is, is that we need this stuff to survive. Other countries need oil to survive or, or it's a commodity that we must have. And yet there's so much negative publicity out there against it. And, and I guess when I come back from the break, I want to just briefly get your opinion on why is this happening? Because we definitely need this resource, but we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. American Wounded Heroes invites you to participate in our 11th Annual Golf Classic on August 6th, hosted at the Dominion Country Club at One Dominion Drive in San Antonio, Texas. The mission of the American Wounded Heroes Golf Classic is to significantly enhance and brighten the lives of our American Wounded Heroes and first responders. So come play some golf with us. You can participate as a golfer or sponsor a hero for $150 per person. Multiple corporate sponsorships are still available, but they're selling out fast. So please visit AmericanWoundedHeroesGolfClassic.com. Again, that's AmericanWoundedHeroesGolfClassic.com for more details. You can also contact J.D. Damien at 210-381-7492. Again, that's 210-381-7492. From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double-drop, gravity-fed discharge system is trailer-mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. 
thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Ryan Sinton. Ryan, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the perception versus the reality that we're using way more oil on a national stage. Tell me, why do you think that the oil and gas has a perception problem that we shouldn't be using as much? Well, unfortunately, energy has become a political football. And so political parties will use messaging around energy to advance political gains versus stating the facts. The fact is that while it is true in the United States, we have, a, we have integrated some non-traditional energy sources like solar, like wind, even using some older ones like hydroelectric. We've, we've integrated those more into our energy portfolio. And what that has done is as the, as the country has demanded more energy, not as much of that new energy is coming from oil and gas, although our demand for oil and gas in this country continues to go up. It has not dropped. But when you look around the world, at, at third world countries and developing nations, the infrastructure and the technology to use some of these non-traditional energy sources is not there and it's not going to be there for a long time. So unless you can convince India and China and Pakistan and South America and parts of Africa, hey, you just should go without energy, um, then the only choice is to use gasoline, diesel, kerosene, natural gas. I mean, those are the fuels that are relatively easy to handle, easy to transport, and easy to consume. So that's why, even though, yes, we hear all this dialogue about all these non-traditional energy sources, oil and gas continues to be the biggest chunk of the world's energy, and it is growing. If you look at what percentage of the world's energy is made up by oil and natural gas, those percentages are not shrinking. They are growing. The only part that's shrinking is coal. Coal is a shrinking percentage of the world's energy, but oil and natural gas are both growing. Right. And I guess if I, if I could, you know, relay one message to our listeners, and that is that, you know, these other countries, it's so important that they have access to this because it really does sustain life for them and for all of us. And it really is an important resource to have just for sustainability. But I want to jump into natural gas as well in your report. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on natural gas. <laughs> sure. Well, the who we're selling to today are predominantly um, Asian countries. We're, we're selling natural gas to places like Japan. Well, I say we, of course, this is private businesses. So we're shipping it to places like Europe and Japan. However, those are actually a small chunk. The barges are still a small chunk of our exports. The biggest natural gas exports are going to Mexico. They're a huge number. We do send a lot to places like South Korea. Uh, once again, I mentioned China already. So, so Asia on the, on the shipping and then, uh, and then Mexico via pipeline makes those, those two groups make up probably 80, 90% of where we're sending natural gas. 
but the market continues to grow. I mean, the world is hungry for natural gas. We, we are awash in natural gas here in the United States, but we're an exception. Most of the world is hungry. They've got a supply shortage. So natural gas prices are much higher around the world. And so this is a really great opportunity for the United States and for Texas, as we can export more and more natural gas to be a supplier of that energy around the world. And it gives us tremendous economic bargaining power. So I, I'm excited to see where this is going to go the next few years. The world has around 100 million barrels a day of refining capacity. Uh, Six million of those barrels of refining capacity are right here in the state of Texas. And that six million is part of 19 million, which is the entire United States. So, yeah, Texas, if we were home country, would be the third largest next to the rest of the United States and China. I mean, we're, we're a refining powerhouse here in, in the state of Texas. And we see that when we talk about exporting energy, there's certainly opportunities to sell natural gas. That's, a, that's an easy one. We're even selling oil. Uh, you, you know that we are exporting a lot of this light, sweet crude going to places that have simpler refining units. But I would argue that in the short run, the biggest export opportunity is actually in refined products, which we already export a lot of, but we can do more. Exciting. Last question. We are going to have our session, you know, Texas meets every two years. Um, there's a lot of business that has to get done for the state of Texas. Our, our elected officials have to get done. Are there any concerns or anything you want to put on our radar that we should be watching pertaining to oil and gas when this next session begins? And is there anything that the Texas Railroad Commission really needs? You know, the Railroad Commission, I'll say this. This legislative session is going to be a different one, difficult one from a budgetary perspective. Even though the state's economy is growing, we also have tremendous growth in population, infrastructure, and services. So our, our legislators are going to be working very hard. I'm good friends with lots of them. Uh, to, they'll be working hard to, to balance the budget and serve the state by making sure we're spending money in the right places. I actually don't think it's going to be a hugely exciting session from an energy perspective. I will say from a railroad commission perspective, one of our constant challenges is that our the demand on the commission continues to go up at a, at a large rate. I mean, you look at the amount of work that our staff and our agency does today versus what we did just five years ago, it's literally doubled. I completely understand. But I think uh, as, I, as I see it, we really need to be careful because the Texas Railroad Commission is responsible for all these permits. It's important that your agency is growing and has the funds necessary to continue since we know that 100% of the rainy day fund is funded by oil and gas. It's an important department that you guys get the resources that you need, or it does tend to have a domino effect in the rest of the budget for the state. So we need to try to make sure that we convey that to the legislators that you you all need what you need to continue to uh, grow Texas and oil and gas. Uh, but Commissioner Sinton, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for coming uh, on the show today and talking to us about your report. Can you tell me where can our listeners go and look up your report? Absolutely. They can go to my website. It's just Ryan Sitton, R-Y-A-N-S-I-T-T-O-N.com. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to catching up to you again here soon in the near future. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Ryan, for being a guest on our show today. And congratulations, because you're going to be the topic of today's trivia question. Email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And you'll have a chance to win a $100 gift certificate to Foco the Chow, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Every Monday, be sure to check out in the Oil Patch Radio Show on Facebook and see if you're the winner. Today's question is, what is the name of the commissioner who does our energy minutes? 
Remember, email us at radio at shellmag.com and check out our Facebook page on Monday in the Oil Patch Radio Show to see if you won the $100 gift certificate to Fogo the Chow, the Brazilian Steakhouse. And that's all the time we have. But be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Or follow us on Twitter at Shell Mag. If you are interested in keeping up with In the Oil Patch Radio Show or the latest issue of Shell Magazine, you can do that. It's free. All you have to do is go to www.shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and sign up for our free newsletter. That is going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.